This is exactly right. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. Let me tell you a little bit about Parent Footprint, where our mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we firmly believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to do the same, seek the same, happiness, health, engagement, and of course, awareness. And that's because we believe that awareness is the foundation of your personal vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show, we are talking about extraordinary ventures. I am pleased to introduce you to Greg and Lori Ireland, who are the couple who inspired and continue to help the growth of the nonprofit organization called Extraordinary Ventures. Greg and Lori are going to talk to us today about their organization, the documentary, and how their parenting experience and work helps others. As a way of history, in 2007, Greg and Lori faced the problem of what to do with their son, Vinny, who you're going to hear about today, who has autism spectrum disorder known as ASD, and he was looking to, quote, age out of the public school system and community resources, and that's when this group of like-minded parents united to create employment opportunities for adults with disabilities. Their organization's philosophy is that all people are employable, and its mission is to provide meaningful employment and help to solve the rise of the autism unemployment crisis worldwide. This is their way of giving back to the community, all thanks to uh, helping Vinny and others like him. You're also going to hear about their film, Extraordinary Ventures, which is this documentary film you have to see, which followed the lives of six adults, one of them being Vinny, across all whom are on the autistic spectrum. And despite the challenges that these young adults face, they found a deep and meaning and value and pride from their work. And the goal of this film is to raise awareness about neurodiversity in the workplace. Greg and Lori, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm thinking we got to start with Vinny, right? This is where it all starts. Yeah. Should I give you just a little background on him? Yes, please do. Vinny was born in uh, 1990. He was my fourth child in four and a half years, and hmm. Greg was on the road traveling a lot. So it was it was quite a hectic environment. He developed his milestones normally, and then at about 18 to 24 months, lost milestones, speech, etc. So we raced around to figure out what was going on. And since it was my fourth child, we the pediatrician and I knew that he was different in a different way. So we went through the process of getting him diagnosed, et cetera, which took a while, and it was a very difficult year of grieving, I think. Um, But we just plowed right ahead, and at some point, we decided that that the best program for him was a startup program at UCLA uh, Psychiatric Hospital. It was a partial hospitalization program. He stayed during the day, but not at night. 
And that was to get you leapfrogged for, for the proper placement in the school district. The landscape in autism has changed so dramatically over those 28 years that even though we were in Los Angeles at the time, we decided uh, at the end of that to move to North Carolina for the TEACH program in the public school system. And that, that was a great move for him. And so he stayed in the public schools. He um, had wonderful teachers, aides, et cetera, throughout the years. But then, of course, we all face what we call the cliff. At age 21, 22, your child ages out of services, basically. And it depends on your state. Every state is different. But there isn't much in North Carolina, for instance, for people coming out of the school system. Uh, some other parents, our local ARC director and our transition inclusion person at the high school level from the school district, we got together and we decided we were going to do something about it. We didn't want to count on government funding at all because that that is very difficult to come by and contentious. So what we decided was we were going to create small businesses under a small under a small businesses for profit under a not for profit umbrella and we would fit the businesses to uh, the employees. We do not know anybody's diagnosis. So Dan, if you want to apply at Extraordinary Ventures, you, you're welcome to. But, Thank you. Yeah, by word of mouth, you know, I, <laughs> we will assume most of our people have a developmental disability of some sort. We uh, started some businesses. Some have worked and some have not. The key is to have a business that deals with quality, not efficiency. So in other words, we have a very large laundry business. We live in a college town. I tell people when I went to college, I had to do my own laundry, but apparently nobody does anymore. So <laughs> we, we sell, we do laundry as a business, um, and we do not sell any of our products or services based on a disability. Nobody even knows when they sign up for our laundry that the people doing it mostly have a disability. We charge the same price as everybody else. We pay all of our employees at least minimum wage. And um, in fact, we have a big waiting list for our laundry business because we do the best job. And over hmm. the years, we have built some other businesses, again, based on sort of what our senior staff, which would be neurotypicals right out of college, what they see as business opportunities. So Greg could go through for you some of uh, those opportunities. Vinny himself works in the laundry business. He does pickup and delivery, and he's perfect for the job because he's very strong. He's a big, strong man. He goes in and out of fraternities, sororities, uh, dormitories, private homes, but everything is marked such that he knows where, it go, where to drop it off, where to pick it up, et cetera, and he's out in the community. So it, it serves a lot a lot of sort of most of our parents' goals. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so much to talk about with the businesses and what I saw in the uh, in the movie clips. And I'm wondering, before we get that, um, a lot of the listeners have kids who are neurodiverse um, on the spectrum and other. And I think this whole idea of aging out is probably it might be new to some people or it might be right around the horizon for others. Can you just say a little bit more what typically happens for the kids that age out? Well, Dan, um, while people are in the school system, they have something to do every day and they're being well taken care of, you know, reasonably well to very well, a lot of structure. 
and and so on. And there's progress that can be made over time. Once somebody reaches the age of, is it 21 or 22, Lori? Depends on the state, but between 21 and 22. 21 or 22. We're talking now about lower to middle functioning people. You know, a lot of, uh, some people with autism are very high functioning and hit the milestones and go to college and so on. But we're talking now about the great majority of people with autism. They tend to stay in school as long as they can because they have services. They have basically services of the teachers, the school system itself, uh, and they, uh, you know, at least theoretically making progress. But once they reach that that age of 21 or 22, it's what's called an age out. They need to leave the school system. It's it's a it's a law. It's they they can't stay any longer. And unfortunately, in our society, what comes after school for these people is it's there's almost nothing. There's very few services, very few resources that the government and others provide. Um, and we call it the cliff because literally one day your life is sort of structured and you're reasonably well taken care of. Nothing's perfect. But the next day you have nothing. You wake up and what do you No job, no social life, no you know, people who are used to working while their kids at school can't work anymore. They have to stay at home and with their kids. So that's what the cliff is. And it's a scary deal for anybody that goes through it. Yeah. And, and, and then when should people start preparing, which is what led, of course, to, to your venture? How, like when should, how do we make a bridge? It's supposed to begin under, um, federal law, it's supposed to begin around the middle school age when you start looking at transition services. Uh, The thing that a great many parents don't understand is that you are guaranteed services under federal law until your child ages out of the school system under the IDEA Act. Mm -hmm. Um, But that that becomes very fragmented and very state-specific once you're out of that age range. So you need to start thinking about what does your person like to do? What are they good at? What should they, they should have in their high school or, or placement at the time, transition services which try them out in different jobs. That's really important. Jobs and or if they're going to go on to community college and or a four-year degree college. It's never too early, right, to, really to, to start preparing. You know, as we as we start to talk about your uh, your different business ventures, uh, in addition to the laundromat, is there is this trend in various industries now, and I I got this loud and clear from um, the movie and the website that that are really looking for people on the spectrum because people on the spectrum are really good at at several things, including following specific uh, formats and per- specific structure and specific guidelines, you know, actually are really strong employees. And I think that's, from what I've seen, that's what you guys are finding. That is what we've found. The, the one thing that is quite lacking generally are what we call the soft skills in employment. Just because somebody knows how to wash their hair doesn't mean they do it. Just because they have right. a job doesn't mean they realize they have to call in if they're sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a myriad of things that need that are the soft social skills that many people on the spectrum are lacking when they go into the job market, and that's their hurdle. And how do you guys deal with that? 
Dan, back to the previous question and your question now is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when do you get started? Well, uh, I think I think parents of people with disabilities, I think they you, you have it's just a bigger job, and I think you do have to look at all of it, and you can't assume as much. For example, you can't assume that your child's going to figure it out, go to college, find the place that they're going to enjoy and get a job offer and so on. So you do have to be right alongside of them as partners, right along. And back to this point uh, that you were making, Laurie was making, simple things like uh, manners and and the way you present yourself. You can't get started too early uh, helping your, let's say, five-year-old son or 10-year-old son shake hands, look you and look people in the eye, things of that sort. So those kind of skills uh, that take sometimes the, a long time to develop, but you know, can really make a big difference once people are adults and in the mainstream life. Dan, can I add something here? Um, sure. We, at Extraordinary Ventures, we employ people all across the spectrum, including what used to be called very high-functioning people. I have a very, very good example um, and he would not mind me using uh, his son as an example, graduated from Marshall University, who has a wonderful program for people with autism, with with a four-year college degree. But then he couldn't get a job because he didn't really know how to work, how to interview, all of those things. And he became quite depressed because, really, there's nothing to do. And people on the spectrum tend to go into themselves when that happens. So I suggested to this guy... Have him move to Chapel Hill. He'll learn how to live on his own. He can work at Extraordinary Ventures in a in a more forgiving environment, and eventually he'll probably go off and work somewhere else. It's been an absolute miracle. The guy loves it here. He's been promoted up to uh, bookkeeper for the whole Extraordinary Ventures. He's out and about in town, and it, it, it's just really a good story. So it doesn't have to be just people who can't speak or anything like that. We have everybody. Yeah, the whole the whole range. So what's the secret? I mean, because obviously you found something that we want more and more people to understand and to do. What What is your secret? Well, the secret, uh, if, if that's the way to put it, I, I, I'd, I'd step back a bit and say we're in a period with this population of a lot of experiments going on across the country with not just employment, but with housing and living and all all the rest of it. So instead of saying a secret, we're, we're experimenting with an idea. And the experiment is this. We think that creating, using uh, small business and business principles, and rather than programmatic, you know, this is a program or it's a training situation, but just actually starting up a business even if it's a very basic business, and then looking for ways to uh, get the right things out of people, find ways to uh, tap into people's strengths and skills, because we all have strengths and skills, whether we have autism or not, across this great uh, society of ours. Everybody has things that you're better at and things that you're not as good at. And so Right. Uh, if you're working, if you're working on something where you're uh, tapping into your interests and you're doing a good job, chances are that's that's a recipe for success. Has turned out to be for us. So the initial 
things we learned at the Teach Center when we came here to Chapel Hill, oh gosh, Lori, 25 years ago, but also now that are well, are really standard across the country, across uh, services for people with autism, you know, structure is important, uh, sameness. So you, it, it's not as good to give somebody something totally different each day if you want something to be, to, to have a rhythm to it. Um, but and but other than that, uh, people are people, and and once you get once we get these people working, and it can be something like just simply folding laundry, they like it, it's good. But all of a sudden, some magic happens. We find out, you know, they're doing a good job. They're feeling good about themselves. They'd like to take a shot at one of the other business, maybe dog walking. We have that business, or maybe we do. Uh, mailings. Uh, we have an event business. Um, we make some really good gift products. Well, we've had people that after a little while have either expressed one way or another, either verbally or otherwise, that they'd like to try something different. And and so it's 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 there's a little bit of uh, oh I don't know uh, you know you you have to give it a try. Uh, the attitude of of letting people try out some different things. And then, and then once you see something that's not working, you don't bother. You go to something else. But what you find is that people will find things that they do well, and it, it works out. And here's a tip for the other parents. We have found that many, many parents and guardians come in with the person they're responsible for to apply for a job, and that parent or guardian is absolutely certain what that person is good at and what they want to do. And we find out a few weeks into the job, no, they, they're actually great at this other thing. So the portfolio aspect of having different businesses is really important. Yeah, that, that variety and the opportunity, because as you say, we all have our strengths and we all have our challenges. And I love how you're talking about um, tapping into their strengths and getting the right things out of people. Say a little more about the secondary gains or consequences you see as people become more confident and experience success. Oh, gosh. You know, this is the best part of it. The people, uh, we've seen it right across the board, will grow in amazing ways. You can see they're happier. You can see they're more social. People come in the door are not very social, chances are. Uh, very difficult situations. Oh, within a you know months or or uh, quarters, we have people that uh, all of a sudden want to come, come to for the, they want to come to work. They want to be around their buddies, and they have buddies, and it's just a wonderful thing to see. And uh, I'll let Lori tell you a little bit about how Vinny uh, gets along with his siblings and others. Be I think uh, because of the work he does, because of his confidence building. Yeah, and, and especially his confidence building about being out in the community. They know him in the community. And it you know, he has a job he, he has another job also and in that particular job he has to do with landscaping and they all know him at our local I don't know what you would call it. We it's called Southern States here, where he picks up all his mulch and all that kind of stuff. And he goes into the warehouse and they're hey mulch man, you know, and it's he's just like one of the guys. And that makes him feel like a man. He's happiest when he's around his uh, his uh, peer group, whether they they have disabilities or not. 
and that wasn't always the case going back quite a long time ago. So that's it's, he's he really it really is something. Take mom and dad out of it and <laughs> let him go his way with his peer group. He's a happy guy. Everyone, I think, Everyone. or most everybody in our society wants to feel like they are giving. They are impacting society, not just taking away from uh, the group. And I know we have one of our employees that early on, he comes from a, a very mo- family, single mother, very modest means. And the first time he got a paycheck, he was he lit up. He was so excited because now he was going to pay his mother's light bill. Hmm. It was just, wow. it was one of those moments where it makes everything worthwhile. So the movie, the movie really brings all of this, what you're talking about. And for all uh, listeners out there, we'll tell you how to find it later. Uh, is you, it's just, it's, it's inspiring. So how did that come to be? Well, uh, the movie Extraordinary People really is about six individuals who work at Extraordinary Ventures but it's not so much, it's a little, it's about extraordinary ventures, but it's really about the people because we break down uh, their jobs and fitting the people to the job and we show the people and how special they are in various ways. Uh, this came about because uh, Lori and I uh, years ago wanted to start this extraordinary ventures along with the, along with other parent, parents. And after a while we got I think I call it we got lucky. I mean, it just the things that we tried worked pretty well and have worked. And so we wanted at some point to start getting the word out to other people that you could try something like this, or at least there's some something in this recipe that's pretty good. And our latest iteration of this is to do this documentary, which we're showing all over the country uh, in special screenings and, you know, one, one, uh, uh, screening at a time, and it's and for the purpose of inspiring people that you know there's there's ways to solve these problems such as the unemployment problem. And if you guys can do it, right? You're saying, hey, all of you businesses out there, you can do it too. It, it's not rocket science. Dan, that's a really good point. If you look at employment in the United States, it's mostly small businesses. So we really laud and applaud the big companies that have programs and internships, et cetera. And that is certainly one way to go. But another way to go is small business, where most of the employment lies, and in your community. So that was, that was a very important factor for us. And what are you, what are you hearing back so far about uh, the impact of the film? Oh, it's been, really, it's been really great universally. We've, I've personally been to more than half of the events. And I like to sit in the back and look at people's eyes and see what they think about it. And I think it really is thought provoking. And we tend to have panel discussions afterwards. Some things have happened that have been very exciting. Um, I think also a lot of times people in the audience want to know why we don't go for large grants, government programs, etc. And our reasoning, that is what you're used to. When you have a special needs child, you're used to the entitlements. But as they get older, it changes. And so you have to change your mindset. Not that those grants aren't great, but we wanted businesses that stood on their own. So they don't, we are 
85% self-sustaining now. We could be 100% self-sustaining, but we keep opening more businesses. Because when you solve <laughs> an equation, yeah, you solve an yeah. equation for a small business. Most people are solving for profit. We're solving for hours of employment. And uh, it sounds like uh, you are solving it, right? There, there's, there, there's need and there's work and people are doing the work well. Well, all of that is very true. Running a small business is not easy. And every no. day there's a new challenge and every year there's a new challenge. We find maybe the benefit of our portfolio of businesses. Each year we find one or two of the businesses don't do as well as we hope. And then, you know, lo and behold, a couple of the others exceed our expectations. So that's where we've been lucky as well. But it's not easy to run a business. We have some very young people, by that I mean in their mid to late 20s, who are managing this for us. And uh, they're the, they're the uh, call it neurotypical managers. You know, they, they're, they're out there and uh, running the businesses, strategizing, marketing, and so on. But also, the others are involved. I think my, my husband is being modest. He had the brilliant idea after a few <laughs> years of it's very popular in America now to, for young people to be social entrepreneurs. And you can tap into that young, just out of college or a few years out of college people. And he had the idea to run it sort of on the concept of Teach for America. So you get people young, they get to run a business, start a business. Most of them have had no experience with people with disabilities, but they are very gung-ho. And they usually work. They usually work there for about three to five years, and then they move on, which is expected in career development. But it's that youthful enthusiasm. It's very important. Yeah, we trade off talent and energy for experience. You know, we could hire right. somebody in their 40s or 50s, but we wouldn't have these other things. And, you know, back to what Lori said, that, you know, these people, uh, they, they huh, it's kind of interesting because they don't, necessarily no mistakes. They didn't make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> so they're willing to try things. And some of the things that they've been willing to try have been great for this population because that's really what's required or needed is is for people to take a fresh look. Not, not a, gosh, I've already worked at these three or four companies. This is the way we did it then and this way we're going to do it. But this is a totally different and new situation. And so I, I think that's these young people. We, we try to stay out of their way to, to give them advice, give them, uh, you know, constructive criticism when things aren't working out. We do have a board of directors. Uh, but other than that, we just really want them to, you know, to do the to uh, come up with the ideas, strategies and so on. It's really it's really worked well. I just also wanted to add that we we have a you know a company celebration every year, sort of like an employee picnic, whatever you want to call it. And I wish you'll you can see it in the film, but it's amazing because it is the most diverse group of people imaginable because they don't care. You have every religion, every ethnic background, Wide range of disabilities and wide range, but they don't they don't care. And their families are there celebrating with them. And it's uh, it's a really life affirming. I hate to be a Pollyanna, but it's a wonderful feeling. Mm hmm. I I love it because that's exactly what I was going to say before. It's it's you. You guys are bringing together the whole continuum of neurotypical to neurodiversity, and um, you're bringing together humans 
for a joint cause doing good things and finding meaning in their life. And what better thing to do is that, as far as I'm concerned? Oh, and, it, and I think that they're starting to have statistics, not on Extraordinary Ventures, yeah. but I know the University of Wisconsin has some um, overtime statistics that show the better health and wellness outcomes when somebody has something to do during the day. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. All right, guys. And let me just say, let me yeah. just say one more thing about the about uh, the extraordinary ventures and and the fact that it's a business. When Vinny was a teenager, Lori and I made some decisions, or, or at least thought about what we would be doing, with an eye on it's got to outlive us, okay? Because we can't be there forever. So anything that we wanted to do, one of our goals was to have something that was sustainable on its own. And we don't, we're not philosophically against grants or the government or, you know, all that. That's great. But, um, but they go away. They go away. Yeah. Well, they go away and they're not, it's not as dependable. If we could create a really a successful business that made enough profits to stay in business and have people overseeing it, it could be there presumably forever, assuming forever. And without being disingenuous, we don't, again, we don't accept any government funding directly. We are not a medical facility. We don't know anybody's diagnosis. However, people do come to Extraordinary Ventures to work with the amount of support they need. So many of our employees have job coaches to help them through the initial period. Some fade out, some don't, some don't need one at all, but it, it, people do, and that money typically does come from the government, but it goes to that person, not to Extraordinary Ventures. Got it. Well said. And I, I love the idea of sustainability that you're talking about. Um, stability and sustainability, which totally uh, fits some of your uh, philosophies that you said earlier about structure and sameness, right? We want these things to continue so people feel that they have that safety, they have that structure, they have that place to go, and they matter, uh, and they're contributing. So it is time. And I think the time. film itself, I think the film itself really puts that across, particularly with the more verbal people. Vinny, you'll see Vinny in the film, but he's not overly verbal. So you don't hear him speaking, but you see him working. Whereas on the other hand, you have Amanda who has worked herself up. She'd never had a job before. Now she's worked herself up to ship supervisor. And she's quite eloquent in her way about talking about the importance of working. Wonderful. Okay, so this is one of our uh, few shows where we get to benefit from the wisdom of two parents talking about their parent footprint moment question. So here it is, guys. I'm going to lay it on you. The question, the parent footprint moment question, tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a parent or an individual and that new awareness had a positive impact on your son or children. Well, I'll, I'll Who's first? start. Uh, All right, Greg's when Vinny, first. When Vinny, uh, you know, we had four children, and I think I, all along it was a growing experience for me, but Vinny with a disability, particular disability, uh, was quite a wake-up call. And, you know, you could you could see right away that Vinny was going to need attention all the time. He's And it just struck me at at, uh, at some point that I needed to do more. And it struck me that here I was uh, with the uh, 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 knowledge of, of business and some other things. I needed to apply 
those things to help Vinny. So that was, that was uh, I would say when he was a young boy, really, but let's say when he was a teenager, that really uh, turned me around as far as that. And, uh, you know, I feel great about it. And I think Vinny has benefited. Uh, but let me just say that my relationship with Vinny is, uh, and, and you hear this probably from other parents who have children with disabilities, is is just completely different, and, and not completely different, but it's different in important ways and very special compared to uh, mm -hmm. other, yeah. So that that for me, that was really my calling or my wake-up call. Basically, what you did, Greg, is you took your, you tapped into your own skill set to realize that you can use your skills to help your son. That's right. That's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lori. Okay. I'm taking a slightly different tack since I, I, he was my fourth child, so I was already quite aware of myself as a parent. But early on, you get invited to things at the school, et cetera, where your uh, child or whatever is being included. And, you know, that, okay, I had very low expectations, and, and that was pretty much how it went. And then all of a sudden, I was invited. It was the school, the elementary school, and they each class put on a dance. And Vinny was paired with one of the regular student classes, typical student classes. And he did this whole involved uh, partner sharing, etc. patty cake polka, and I was shocked. And then at <laughs> that moment, I thought, this guy can learn a lot more than I gave him credit for. <laughs> I even wrote a letter that's to the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it was making me think earlier when you guys were talking about the adult the adult kids with their parents and you're like, come on guys, let them go, uh, let them go. And how as a parent of a special needs child or child with a disability, how we're just so shaped to be there for their needs and the courage it takes uh, and the belief in them that it takes to realize that maybe they can do more than we think they can. And, and we need to give them a little push and shove when the time is right so they could step into it. That's really well said. All right, everyone. That, unfortunately, is the end of our time with Extraordinary Ventures and Extraordinary People, which Greg and Lori certainly are. You guys, tell, tell everyone where they can find the film, learn more about your business, and how they can start to think about doing this themselves. Well, they can, uh, for, to find our program, our, what we like to call our company, Extraordinary Ventures, you can search that, extraordinaryventures.com. But to also find the trailer and some background for the film, we have a website called Extraordinary People Film, extraordinarypeoplefilm.com. And again, they can just search either of those, and I'm sure that they'll find it. Greg and Lori, you both are uh, inspirational and real. And uh, I just think for everyone listening out there, uh, just give so much hope as uh, they are raising their neurodiverse kids and looking to the future that um, there are ways to start transitioning our children. It's never too young and teaching them skills, the soft skills, and uh, and just finding ways ultimately for our kids to be connected be contributors and have meaning in their lives is what's most important. 
Thank you very, very Thank much you very for much. having us. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, everyone, that is the end. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. You know you can find our Parent Footprint Awareness Training to explore your vision of successful parenting. As these wonderful people have said, focus on strengths, get the right things out of people, give them meaning. And as always, as I say, ask yourself this guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave?